Welcome back to the Unfuck My Business show. I'm your host, Chris Delaney, along with the Irreverent Jinx or Chris Jenkins. What's up, my friend? Yo. Word. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing somebody that I hold a lot of respect for, somebody I absolutely love, and you're going to love her as well when we go through her bio here real quick. But before we introduce her, I want to share with you who she is and what she's done. So Jennifer Madsen is the founder of Mindful Leaders Academy, which has served thousands of professionals around the world to becoming more measurably impactful leaders. She's also recently founded Badass Babes, a global community of everyday women supporting each other and living kick-ass lives. She's authored three books, Loves Ballroom and Motorcycles. She has her own and recently returned home to Florida to kick some ass in the sun year-round. What is up, my friends? How are what you doing, Jennifer? Up? What is up with you guys? I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. That was you Badass know. Babes. I mean, you, you own that domain, badassbabes.com. I do. I the do. fact I do. that that was not like snatched up by the adult industry decades ago <laughs> just blows my mind. What a win that is. Yeah, truly. Truly. <laughs> Speed to market. I'm the visionary. I need implementers. I've got to feel amazing about the work that I'm doing or I'm not doing it. Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're going to listen to all week. This is unfuck my business all right so we're going to do the formal thing you know everybody wants to know a little bit about you so why don't you tell us maybe like a three to five condensed version of of your life who are you what's the meaning of life tell us about jennifer ah the meaning of life well for the last 17 years that i've had my coaching business i've been really intentional about using my gifts to help people get what they want in life i had done that in different incarnations prior to this business in financial services. Before that, I was a franchise owner for a dating service company. So I've always been in this conversation around what do you really, really, really want? And having a somewhat fairly detached way of being able to see what's in your way and present that to you in a way that's palatable, that you'll consider that people will have a, an inclination to move through. So my mother's always called me the most detached of her children, which I wasn't sure I should say thank you to. But it served me. It served me really, really well in getting me to some really practical choices for my own life. I had pursued a professional dance career when I was a kid and, you know, into my early 20s, but an addiction to drugs and alcohol kind of blew that one up. And after that, I went back to college and got a degree I didn't know what to do with and landed in the dating service industry and then went into financial services and then came this business. So it's been this forward, imperfect motion for most of my, all of my adult life, actually. And it's gotten me here to this place with you badass guys talking about the latest incarnation of my work. Love it. So tell us a little bit about what that is. Badass babes. Now, I know you said badass babes over 50. What mm -hmm. was, what's that all about? Because I know you had this killer career. There's really no reason to do something new or anything else like that for money. But what is this venture that you dove, you dove into? And it literally was like a conversation. You took action and here we are. It was a total conversation. And I, I want to give you guys and, and our core leadership collective group a lot of props on creating an environment where it was perfectly safe for me to have a real moment of what I call moment of truth. So I've had a lot of moments of truth in my life where the thing that's bubbling up just is like, here it is. 
without filter, without hesitation. And during COVID, yeah, my business, my executive coaching business continued with big companies out of New York and and I didn't have any real need to take on anything else. However, I know business well enough to know that things could shift. And it gave me an opportunity to take a look at, am I doing really the full expression of my, of my heart's work? Of, and, and I don't know, it's just a question that I started playing with. And I was on the Core Leadership Collective call with you guys. And I think the question was, you know, like, how's the business and do you need to pivot? And I was a little frustrated that day, not with you, but just like, what would I do differently? And I try on a lot of what ifs. That's to me, that's not like putting negativity into the universe. It's trying on some shit. It's like, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could go teach ballroom dance classes to wedding couples. Maybe, maybe I would go try to be a professional artist. Like what if, what if, and how about this? And how about that? And when I was in that conversation with you guys that night, somebody opened the door for me to say, if I had to pivot, I could, if I could do anything, I'd be working with badass babes over 50 on living like kick-ass lives, whatever that means to them. Fuck yeah. Right? Like it's just all that, all there, all that. No flowery coachy language. It's just <laughs> that. And I'm like, oh fuck, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I'm over 50, I'll be 59 in November. And I, and I, you know, the badass part of it and the babes part of it was not something that I chose to be clever. It's really like the identity that I have felt for myself for a long time that others have recognized in me. And we'll, we can talk more about like what badass means and why babe and all of that, because, you know, I, I'll speak for me. I don't want someone else to necessarily say, just say, hey, aren't you a babe? you know, like in that online dating kind of point your finger way. But babe is like, got some fire, got some, some something going on. And badass is a lot of different things. But I love hanging with women like that. And especially women over 50, who get to this point where there's a, there's a slight visibility factor that's possible. And I wanted to bust through all of that. I wanted to do my part to crush these mm. stupid ageist paradigms. And so that's part of what we're doing. Well, let's go right into the, the red meat of that because there's been a lot of talk about how uh, women in general get less visibility at certain ages on dating sites and all the rest of that. And uh, I have a dear friend, Erin Darling, who I'm gonna shout out and hopefully she's listening to this when it goes live. She just turned 50. And she is absolutely, I think, the archetype of badass babe over 50, you know, now officially. But in that expectation of diminished visibility or whatever that we see statistically, you know, I mean, what, what should women over 50 know about being sexy or about, you know, sort of maintaining that energy? To start, I would say that my take on badass, what badass means to me for women of all ages, in particular, women over 50, the ones who invite transformation, who invite a seeing of their fabulousness, if you will, you know, who won't, who recognize that, sure, there might be some societal paradigms around it, but refuse to let that be true about them. This summer, when I was getting ready to chop out all of the dyed hair and go with all of the natural gray. That was a big deal, you know? I mean, I don't know about men, but women are pretty attached to 
our hair and what we think it says about us and how it paints us. Except that every time that I colored mine, I felt like I was covering me. And I kept buying in in my own way to like, well, you know, I better be careful maybe because, you know, men keep telling me that gray hair will make me look 10 years older and it'll wash me out and I'll, and oh my God, if I look older, I won't be relevant to my 30 something year old clients and all of this crazy nonsense. And I seriously, I think it was COVID. I, I got to a place where I had a serious case of the fuckets where I was like, you know what, you know who I am and what I'm about and the fucking ridiculous results I get for people isn't enough. Like if it's really more about the hair, they're not my people. So I did this. When I let all of the gray hair grow in and I went to the Jamie Lee Curtis silver pixie look, it was the full expression of what I felt was the badass thing to do for myself, finally, fully. And it really unleashed another level of badass for me. Now listen, I haven't been hiding behind dyed hair for the last 10, 15 years either. I've been kicking ass on my own. And you know, people have, have recognized badass things about me for a long time. It's, it didn't take letting my hair go silver to see myself that way. I mean, I ride a motorcycle, I ballroom dance, I moved to New York City, I've built, you know, multiple six and seven figure businesses, things that people see as badass. But at the core of all of that, and what I work with the women I work with on is what are we doing to invite a powerful self image in terms of the beauty we see in ourselves for ourselves? What are we doing to raise our sense of ability and skill? I either have the answer or I know where to get it. What are we doing to ensure that we draw on the evidence of things we have followed through on? Our self-efficacy, like those are the three, in my mind, the three currents of badassery in the, in the first place. Image, confidence, efficacy. If I can draw on those and, and, and nurture those and power those up, I can do anything. I can go figure things out and find the people to help me figure it out. To me, that's badass. And I meet women like that all the time and the 50 somethings they simply need to recognize what's already badass because it's not the external stuff that's that's not what makes it 100 i mean you know you mentioned jamie lee curtis and i think a couple of other obvious older badass women uh, that come to my mind are sigourney weaver and helen mirren and and all of them are women who are just so comfortable and confident in their own power and that's part of the equation you know Absolutely agree. It's a confidence. Again, for me for a while when I wasn't feeling particularly self-confident and I was in that whole fake it till you make it thing, I was leading with this edge that was a little hard for people. You know, it was, uh, it was a little, it made things, it made it a little tough to get closer to me and, and really see who I am and what I'm about and, and all of the love and everything that I have to give. And then I realized that I don't have to fake it. It's all in there. Just be that. I want to dive into something a little deep here for a second. Because one of the things I love about you, Jen, is that when I met you, you had this sense of like, I am, right? I am who I am. And it's like, I'm going to fill this room full of people. We're going to show them something. We're going to take it where it's going to go. And then as you made that pivot and shift into Badass Babes, one of the things I loved is that you're also very open about the meditative mindfulness of Buddhism. And we are necessarily a religious here on the, on the show and in core, but I do think it's important because what you just said was something that I connect with, which is alignment, that idea of owning who you are, but it's like an integrity thing. Like one of the things that we see in the coaching space 
and in other spaces so much is we learn how to sell people something. And when I think about you as well in this, in this journey is authenticity for me is not just like how we say it, it's how we show up. It's that energetic feeling that you get from somebody. So can you share a little bit about that, that journey for you of mindfulness and how that also impacts, like we get taught about grind, hustle, struggle, always do more. Cause I see a lot of women as well. When I work with them too, they feel like they have to overdo and show up with that edge. And it yeah. comes across like they're, they're kind of struggling to do that and it makes them feel, you know, a certain way about it. Can you share a little bit about that from you and where you lead from and, and, and how you connect to that? For sure. When I first started practicing Buddhism, and by the way, they call it practice for a reason. A, it's not a religion. B, it's a philosophy of compassion and kindness and do no harm and do your damn best to be your best, to help other people your best. And as we kick around into the next lifetime, maybe you level up on the best you can do for the next group. You know, I mean, that's the deal. And yet within this relative reality that we have, there's the day-to-day of everything that rolls us around, everything that stresses us out, everything that takes our mind in a million different directions. And the great thing about Buddhist practice for me is that, and the very first thing I needed to learn how to do, and I'm constantly practicing, is how to manage my mind and my conduct for the greater good. So if I, if I talk about managing my mind, I need to stop talking. I need to sit. And first of all, meditation is not about stopping thought. The Dalai Lama will tell you that. I've heard him say it. You can't stop thought. What you can do is stop chasing it and starring in your own horror movie over it, which is how I used to live. Shit would come up. I'd go, oh my God, what if that's true? And then the movie starts and all hell breaks loose instead of, oh, well, look at that. Where's that coming from? That thought, that insecurity, that, you know, it must be this way, that meaning, whatever. Where's that coming from? What is it really? Now, what do I want to do next with it? Now, before I started practicing Buddhism, I learned a different version of that or way of that. When I got sober, I got sober when I was 23, almost 24. I was half dead when I came in, which I don't say to to be dramatic. It it was the truth of it. I drank and did drugs 24 seven for the last four years of the 10 that I used. Wow. Um, Just to show up, just to be alive, barely. Mm -hmm. And so when I got sober, and I was trying to make up all these things about life, I had these great sponsors and mentors who were like, you know, maybe that's not necessarily so. Maybe that's just what's been true for you. How about we take another look? And having people who could see more for me than I could see for myself and learning to allow that and follow that from people who'd gone before was gigantic, right? So I tell the women that I work with that if you're starting a business, and you're nervous about it, which would be typical, right? Don't start the business based on whether or not you're gonna make a million dollars at it. Talk to me about what business you're gonna be in. You know, a a woman that talked to me the other day, one of our members of the Badass Babes membership was talking about, well, I'd really like to do X, but you can't charge people that much during COVID. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. can. So being willing to challenge our own habitual ways of thinking and behaving is really what the Buddhist path espouses a lot of. And it's a practice. 
I was just going to say, I mean, as someone who is generally non-religious, although I certainly delve into philosophy and spirituality as a concept, I mean, it's, you know, Buddhism is, I think, probably the most appealing to me of those things, simply because it just generally seeks a certain moral high ground, you know, and I really appreciate that. You hit on something really interesting there, and you said something about a woman coming to you and saying, I can't charge that much during COVID. And I want to flip that idea into the business realm for a second, and specifically with women, because I think it's important for us to identify that there is a huge gap in the marketplace, especially for women. And what I've seen is true women who lead from the front and are able to help women through the process of like self-worth and that challenge in business where it's like, can I really charge this? And can I really own who I am and be seen for all of that I am without feeling like, oh, I need to hide myself for a little bit. So this is a little bit off, off of the track of the questions that I had, but you inspired me to ask that question. How do, you, how do you address that for a woman who's saying like, listen, I'm 50 plus, you know, I had kids, maybe I had a family, maybe I was married and all of a sudden it's my time to shine because I love the fact that you said my third act. Can you share about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, women this age tend to get to a place for all the reasons that you just mentioned. The nest is emptying. They've had their attention for a grand portion of their life, typically, on others. And now it's like, there are two questions they come to me with. What now? And what's next? Like, what now? What do I do now? Do I start a business? Do I try to up-level my career? Do I reinvent completely? Do I retire? So that's the what now. And when we figure out what now, what path they want to follow, then we say, what's next? What's the first most leverageable step that you can take to move that forward. The challenge though, is that women, oh, I'm gonna, this is gonna sound like a really broad generalization. So I wanna kind of prequal that one a little bit. How we earn, women typically under earn within the entrepreneurial world because they've not owned their worth. They're not feeling enough of whatever, enough of a business person, enough of an expert, enough of a whatever, And so they don't invite more than enough compensation so that it can swirl around and support their fabulousness until the resources are meant to go in service to something else. So they get to this just enough, barely enough, kind of enough, until they realize their total worth, their pure worth, and ask for and expect more than enough compensation for that brilliance, for that fabulousness, knowing that it's not so they can roll around naked in a pile of money, although if that's what they want to do, God bless them, (laughs) but so that it's in service. It's this cycle in service, Mm -hmm. in and out all the time. That's my morning routine, personally. (laughs) Mine too. (laughs) Only the older $1 bills that smell like cocaine. (laughs) A long time ago. (laughs) The gnarly ones. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. That was such a big, big key, what you said right there. And I think that right there is, I mean, you talked a little about your blueprint to badassness, your, your blueprint that you're sharing. And I know that you have a lot going on that we'll kind of dive into a little bit. Can you share a little bit about what it is for women who are joining a community with you are receiving? Like, what is it you're sharing with them? What's that all about? The badass blueprint is a clear path to a kick-ass life. It is, you know, as, as much of a visionary and you know, I love profound thought and philosophy and all that. I also dig some really practical, get shit done, one, two, three path to results. I do not want to have to reinvent the wheel, especially at this age. I want to get in, get some stuff done. And I've done this process for myself that I teach in the blueprint. 
and for enough clients in the executive world and otherwise to know that it will get you some amazing results. But you got to start with what we talked about a moment ago, like fire up your fabulousness, like really get in touch with how amazing you are. And then the next thing we have to answer is what do you really, really, third really, really want? Aside from whether or not you think you can have it, aside from what your brain is trying to tell you about why it can't, what do you really want? Because inviting that transformation, inviting that change, inviting that expansion is the very first step to it. And once people will do that without having to know all of the how yet, because we tend to go to the how before we even really know where we're trying to go, mm -hmm. right? So what is it you really, really want? What are you waiting for? That's not a rhetorical question in my world. What are you waiting for exactly? What challenge are you waiting to overcome? What obstacle, what resources? And so the blueprint identifies your vision, which is a very active process. Vision's a verb. It's not dreaming and wishing and hoping. It is a verb. It's some serious version of the future, your place in it. What does that look like for you in whatever area of your life you choose? The second pillar to it, I guess, is alignment. Now, now that we know what you want, who do we align people, resources, and skills, you and others? And then thirdly, here's the magic action plan. I learned a version of this when I worked for Tony Robbins a long time ago. And I adapted it a little bit for my myself, you know, what really worked for me over and over to know clearly what my outcome is and by when, all the whys so that when it gets hard, which it does, I can get plugged back into that. And then a process for action that is simply 20% of the items are going to get me 80% of my results. That is where I focus my time. And then the others can raise up as necessary or I'll farm them out to somebody who's really better at them and having that process. But you got to be willing to learn it. You've got to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to invite my transformation. I'm not waiting anymore for the shit to just come knocking on my door. I'm ready for this. Let's take the journey. Love that. There's two questions I have for you. The first one is in there, you kind of gave me a little bit of a framework of how you make decisions. I love hearing how people make their decisions. And I heard you say, find somebody who's really fucking good at something that you are not. One of the things I think people struggle with as entrepreneurs is knowing when that time is and knowing that they can farm that out to somebody else because they can spend their time elsewhere, right? They think it's a debt when really it's a revenue generating activity. How do you make that decision in your business? How do you know it's time to find an expert in an area that you need? And how do you vet them for that process? Well, if I've tested something, if I've tested a lead magnet or I've tested a program and I know that it will generate business for me in its rougher form, then I'm ready to farm it out to get it polished up really, really well from designers and editors and all that sort of thing. What I know is that done is the new perfect. Mm -hmm. And I used to mm -hmm. go hire all the people to get this fancy thing together and people didn't give a shit about it. <laughs> they right. didn't care. It was pretty, but they didn't care. And then when I started putting out content that was really better content and people were like, oh, I want more of that. Then I would go hire the designers and because that's not my gig. I don't do that. I'm a great writer and I still have editors that look things over and punch things up and, you know, do those things for me. And in the beginning, you know, when I started my coaching business, I didn't have a lot of extra revenue, but I was always conscious of I'm the visionary. I need implementers. I need someone to go integrate, implement all of these other things. And what I also know from my past history with businesses is that I don't have any business, for instance, 
trying to pretend to be a CPA. What I do need to understand is how to read a P&L and understand the finances of my business. And the E-Myth taught me a long time ago to pay myself from the get-go or it's just an expensive hobby, right? Mm -hmm. So I pay me, I pay you to do your expertise, I pay you to do your expertise. Even if I could only hire people on a contract basis for a short time, it brings a confidence to do that when you have the right team and you can feel like you have a team and you build on that and build on that until you expand your people. Now, as far as vetting people for those positions, I do hoop hiring, meaning that for any given role, I know beginner, intermediate, advanced level tasks, ultimately where I would want them to be. And so, and it's a paid thing. I pay them for their time. I will find a contract person and say, let's start here and find out how they get with that. If they do a kick-ass job on that, I go, let's go level two. Here's level two. If they do a kick-ass job on that, we go level three and then they come on the team. If at level two, they're kind of like, not so much. I can make another decision about whether to work with them further, but I pay them for their time. We have a lot of conversations. I see how well they take instruction to improve things. And if they go through the three hoops, particularly if I hire other coaches, then we're good. They're part of the team. Love that. It's really practical. So hoop hiring, three hoops. If they can get through the hoops, they can join the team. I dig it. How do you measure success, Jennifer? Is there a certain way that you look at it? Is it metric-based? Is it feeling-based now? And has it changed over time? I would say that for the last 16 years, it has been impact and satisfaction-based. I needed to know that I was making a real difference for people in whatever forum I was doing that, whether it was coaching executives, working with you know groups, public speaking, whatever the thing was, I wanted to make sure that I was making a clear impact and that I had a high level of satisfaction doing it. You know, if I couldn't wait to show up for it, I was definitely on the right track. And there were times in that 16 years that I was like, oh, fuck, please don't make me do this. Like, no, I just know. And I was turning down money. I was turning down big speaking money because I'm like, "Mm -mm." somebody tried to hire me one time out of New York. He wanted to pay me $25,000 to um, do a strategic plan for them. And I thought, well, shit, I don't really know how to do one of those, but I can go figure it out. I mean, how hard can that be? This is, this is early on. And then that was my little, this little devil on this show. And the other one was like, stop that right now. You do not do that. It's not what you do. You don't want to do that. You already think it sounds like crap. And I came back to them and said, I am not your girl, but I know somebody who is. I know somebody who would be great at that. And that's one of those karmic choices that I know came back and paid off for me later. So the satisfaction is really, really, really important to me. I am so environmentally based about my work. And I don't just mean that in my literal space, although that's important to me too. I've got to feel amazing about the work that I'm doing or I'm not doing it. That is an exceptional concept. I think especially in today's marketplace where it's like, just figure it out later, fake it till you make it. And meet so many people who are literally ready to tear their fucking hair out with the clients they work with because they want to make the money. And what you just said was amazing. So you qualify it through impact and satisfaction, but you also described practically what that looks like. Because you hear people all the time are like, I want to make an impact. I want to make an impact. And it's like, do you want to punch somebody in the face or what do you mean impact? How do you qualify <laughs> that, right? That's right. You can make a lot of impacts with a car. You know what I mean? <laughs> I dig it. I have now, to ask one is, question here. Yeah. yeah. I, I understand that you are somewhat of a, 
TikTok phenomenon. Can I you- don't know about phenomenon, although I'd love to become one, I think. I don't know, but it'd be my, it might be fun. Yeah, so I got on TikTok at the start of our lockdown, which was what, March-ish? April when all we had, when we really had to stay home. And there's a difference between getting to work from home and having to work from home. Now, I have nothing to complain about here. It's me and the dog. And so here I was hanging at home, not really going out much. And I'd heard about TikTok. I got on there and started posting a few things. This was pre-Badass Babes, by the way. And having fun with it, really just delighting in in the creativity on there. It's incredible. Some of the content there is just really amazing. Some of it's stupid, but a lot of it's really amazing. And it was the video that I put up before I went and got my hair chopped off. And I literally said, look, this is for my badass babes over 50. And I don't think what I, what had happened was I had talked to you guys on that Tuesday and said, I want to work with badass babes over 50. I think it was two days later that I got on TikTok and I used that language and said, any of my babes out there that are thinking about the same thing, I'm going to let this shine. I'm going to let my real self out, whatever. And like 350,000 views and 20,000 likes later, I realized I'd really touched a nerve and it started to fuel in a big way. The message that I want to get across to people through my TikTok channel which is badass babe over five O if anybody's on TikTok and wants to follow me over there that we are badass we're born badass and here's how we access that and here's what that means and here's how you can help others with it and so it's been a blast it's really been great and it's evolved over time I think I'm sitting right at 19,000 followers at this point I get amazing feedback from women my age in this age group and older and younger too. Some of the, some of the younger crew is like, Oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? Um, <laughs> talking about, you know, thanks for seeing me. Thanks for seeing who I am and giving me permission to be more of that, which is exceptionally satisfying. I think that brings up a huge point, which I think is important. When I met you and, and knowing what you said about your, your experience in the past, a lot of that was built offline. So it was a lot of connection referral, building traditional style businesses How did you decide that you were going to move into the online space? What's that journey been like? And did you take principles that you learned from building offline businesses into the online space and how they work for you? Yes, I did take things from the offline into the online for sure. And that said, I'm still learning some things about the differences between the two. You know, when I was running the dating service franchise, that was in the 90s. That was from 92 to 97. The internet existed. I think Al Gore was the only one that had it. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we had computers that were about eight feet deep and we were still doing things on paper with fax machines and shit. I hate how old fashioned that sounds, but the great news about that business is it was the freaking McDonald's of, of a franchise. You ran the system, the system ran the results. I built a $2 million business in two years as a result of that. So I've been trying to duplicate that success in other businesses ever since. And the thing that I missed for a very long time that frankly I think I'm finally getting a hold of is the marketing piece. Because I can sell all day long. I can sell, I know how to make money. The marketing of attracting the right person, having the right conversation so that my people know exactly who they are and that I'm their teacher, that's still, a process for me. And I, and I 
really don't try to be the expert in that. I, I like to hire people who are experts in that. And, you know, getting to the point where I was, where I stopped trying to be all things to all people. Badass Babes Over 50 is for women over 50 who want support and community to live kick-ass lives. At some point, we'll expand to the 40 plus, 20 plus, whoever, if there's a need there. But right now, it's this crew. And I'm being more and more specific about who they are and what I have to offer so that they know whether or not it's the place to be. I wasn't that specific before. I tried other things, you know, last year and the year before that to go online. And it was a disaster. I had no friggin' idea what I was doing. So getting super clear on the message and really engaging people who are great at the marketing attraction phase of the business has been key for me, particularly in this new enterprise. I'm going to transition this next part over to Jinx in one of his favorite segments, and we're going to rock and roll from there. This is a um, purely top of the head, quick answer, no heavy thought. This is our lightning round. So just real quick answers. We'll move through them and uh, we want to make sure we spend less than 30 seconds on each one. So we'll start with, and you've already mentioned clearly that uh, drugs and alcohol have been out of the game for a little while. Cocktail of choice is our first question, but since yours isn't a cocktail, what is it? What's your go-to drink? Go-to drink is a virgin mojito. Virgin mojito. Nice. Okay. And go-to de-stress method. When you're uh, overwhelmed, what's your automatic, I've got to do this today? Motorcycle. Mm, outstanding. Yeah, I think that's, I think for a lot of motorcycle riders, that's the case. I already have a guess. <laughs> Apple or PC? Oh, Apple. Yep. Figured that was the case. Peanut butter, smooth or crunchy? Almond butter, crunchy. Ooh, little bougie. That's okay. Perfectly acceptable. <laughs> yeah. I had to take the legumes out of my life. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And then dig deep here. What's your favorite insult? That people would say to me or I would say to somebody else? That you would use on somebody else. Oh, that's hard. Mm -hmm. I, I don't insult people. I don't mean to sound like a real Pollyanna about this, but I really <laughs> don't say bad things to other people. Um, oh, I don't know. That's been really, really interesting. I really can't come up with one. Well, then you're going to have to give us your favorite swear word instead. Fuck. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely acceptable answer. All day long is my favorite word. It's so multi-purpose. So multi-purpose. You can say it in so many different ways. It's so multifaceted. Right. <laughs> Multi-fucketed. Multi-fucking-faceted. Right. Love this. Well, we could do this for two, three hours. I already mentioned the jinx that this at one point should be a long form. We just sit down. We talk about this for hours. I know we're all super busy. We're excited to see what's happening with your badass babes community. So much. And this is where we get a chance to kind of learn about how we can connect with you. So what are some social media handles, email and websites we can go to? And of course, this will be linked in the show notes as well. Badassbabes.com is the main website and where you can find the guide to the badass blueprint. And if you are a badass babe over 50 and want to join the community of others just like you, you can go to badassbabesover50.com. Badass babe over 50 is my TikTok handle and Jennifer Madsen is everything else. Jennifer 1N, Madsen with an O. Yeah, I'm just about everywhere. I'm just not everywhere all the time. <laughs> and I won't do Twitter. You just can't make me. It's too mad. <laughs> everywhere and nowhere at the same time. How Buddhist of you. <laughs> <laughs> How nature of the mind. Call my 
This has been a lot of fun. We appreciate you popping onto the show and sharing your time with us and sharing your wisdom as well. There's been so many great things that you've shared about business, life, and we're really excited to support and see more about what happens with Badass Babes over 50. And as it grows, I know you're planning on, on going into other age groups as well as it kind of evolves. And that uh, we can't wait to see that. We're super thankful for you. Thank you so much. I wouldn't be here without the support that you all have given me as friends, as co-entrepreneurs, the whole nine yards. I mean, you created that space for me for that moment of truth to, to land outside of my body into the space that you created. So I appreciate that so much. Love you guys. Love you as well. And with that said, it's a wrap. We'll see you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to unfluckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show.